Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. So today at the end of the service, at not the end, at the, as our conclusion of the service, we're going to go right out those doors. We're going to turn left, and we've got a baptism set up underneath the shade tree, and it's going to be old school, right? Outside shade tree. Um, uh, so praise God, it's not 100 degrees outside, it's only 95, amen? The Lord has answered our prayers, okay? So, um, so and if you get, if, look, if, if you get too hot, get baptized, it'll help you out. I literally prayed, listen to me, I, we, we've had four people scheduled. I literally prayed that somebody would spontaneously come get baptized. And before I even talked about it, somebody can worship said, can I get baptized today? And I'm like, well, yes, you can, right? And so uh, we've got five now. And if at the end of this sermon, you hear what I preach on and you, you want to get baptized, we will figure it out, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 8, I'm going to talk about baptism today. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, I'll wait on everybody else to join the prayer. Holy Spirit, we love you. We are grateful and thankful to have the privilege to come together and experience your presence together and to pray for one another and to build each other up in the faith. God, we're thankful for iron that sharpens iron this morning. We're thankful that we can look back and we can see the journey, how you keep taking us from glory to glory, from line upon line. And God, we are excited and believe that our steps are ordered of the Lord. And I pray that this morning that our hearts would be enlightened, our minds that you would grant us, according to Ephesians 1.17, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that our eyes would be enlightened to see what is the height and the breadth and the width of the love of God as we sing about this morning. I pray that you would move on us. I pray that your word would come alive. I pray that it would not just be the study of uh, ink on paper, that it would be the study of, of life and spirit in our hearts. So illuminate your word, move in our midst, And we give you all the praise and glory, and we are grateful, grateful, grateful to be in your presence together this morning. Everybody said, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 8, verse 25. It's a story of an Ethiopian man, and he's studying the scriptures, and he's going to end up getting baptized at the end. Spoiler alert, right? He gets baptized at the end. And uh, many times we talk about baptism and we talk, about, um, we talk about the what baptism does for you or what it signifies and what it means. But very rarely do we talk about why. Why get baptized? Okay, well, just because we're, if I said, if I passed around the microphone and said, why are we supposed to get baptized? You'd say, well, we're just supposed to. It's what the Bible says. Right? But why get baptized? And we're going to talk about that. But what baptism does for you, it's, it's, it signifies uh, the death the burial, the resurrection. We are joined in baptism with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. That's why, the, that's why Paul could say to you, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and inside of you. Somebody say amen. 
that same spirit, do y'all hear what I said? That raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and it's in you. Somebody say amen. And so the point is, is that, uh, you know, I asked, uh, so we've got three kids, uh, you know, and I asked them all, you know, before they get baptized, well, why do you want to get baptized? If they say, well, because my buddy Bob did it, well, that's not a good reason, right? So we got to talk about, but, you know, uh, Dawson, how's Dawson? He's the youngest one. How's Dawson, Mom? Nine. Ten. Which one is it? Ten? Nine. Okay. Uh, so he's, t- he's nine years old, and I said, and just from the, the mouth of babes comes perfect praise, the Scripture says. And I said, why do you want to get baptized? And this is what he said. As a nine-year-old, he says, I want to feel clean. Now, he didn't grow up in a church that's teaching him that he's dirty all the time. Y'all out there? He didn't grow up in a church teaching him he's dirty and he's nasty all the time. He grew up in a church that teaches him, like we just sang a while ago, that he is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And, and so the point is, is that legalism didn't tell him he needs to be clean. The Holy Spirit, even on the, as a nine-year-old, will convict you of sin. How many of y'all remember being convicted at a young age of sin? Would you, okay? And, Holy Spirit, and so he's like, I want to go in there and I want to come up. I want to feel clean. And then, he, you know, Dawson, I mean, he's a funny dude. He'll say whatever. He's like, so I can sleep at night. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, dude, have you murdered somebody already? Like, what is going on here? Like, and, but, but if he hated in his heart, he has. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we won't go there. Uh, but my point is like, my point is like, there, there's lots of reasons what baptism does for you, man. It makes you feel clean. It, uh, the number one reason uh the, the what it does for us is it is absolutely 100% more than any other thing, the public profession of faith. It is making a stand and publicly getting baptized and saying, this is who I am. Who I was is buried. Who I am now is the new man in Christ Jesus resurrected. And, and, and I'm telling you, in the Bible days, when they got baptized in the New Testament, it would cost you something. It would cost you relationships. It might cost you business. It would cost you something because once you made that stand and said, I am now a child of God, I am now a Christian, you, you, it, it set you against a pagan world. It set you against a world of all these other religions, and they would say, you have publicly identified yourself as a Christian, so we don't, we don't associate with you people, so we're, we're not buddies anymore. We're not business partners anymore, and a lot of times, you're not my child anymore. And families, it was literally tear families apart because baptism, more than, listen to me, more than closing your eyes at the end of a sermon and coming to an altar and praying a prayer, the most, the most fundamental public display of, of uh, a dedication, a profession of faith in Christ Jesus was baptism. It is the sign that you are now a child of God and a, a member of his body on the earth. Does that make sense? So that's the, that's the what it is. It, it, it's, uh, like I said, it is death, burial, resurrection. It's, uh, 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 Ched's getting baptized today. I asked him, I said, Ched, what does the baptism symbolize? It's the rebirth is what he said, being reborn. Right? Nicodemus, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? That don't make no sense, right? It don't make no sense. But, but through water, what, what Jesus said, through water and through spirit, you can be reborn. Amen? And so all these are good answers as to what it is. 
But it doesn't answer why do we do it. To, to learn why we do it, why, why do we get baptized, the Ethiopian and Philip will tell us why. So let's read the story. This is Acts chapter 8, verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. An angel of the Lord came to Philip. Everybody say Philip. Okay? Say Philip. By the way, if you read the book of Acts, and I'm about to freak some people out right here. If you read the book of Acts, angelic visitations were extremely common. How many of y'all would like to have the book of Acts again? Angelic visitations. I would love that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jordan and Amanda over in the Red Sea Basin, and the angel says, go over there, right, and do this. Like, right, that would be, wouldn't that be great, Jordan? That'd be cool, right? And so the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got ready and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Cadence, Queen of the Ethiopians. This was a, a, a very important person, a dignitary, who was in charge of all her treasure, the treasurer of the Ethiopian queen. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he was a seeker, right? He was a seeker. He was, he was spiritual. Being spiritual doesn't make you born again. Amen. You can believe in all kinds of uh, horoscopes and all that kind of junk, and you can be real spiritual, that doesn't make you born again. And so uh, he was in charge of all the treasure, and he came to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, and he's sitting in his chariot. He's sitting in his Tesla, his car, right? <laughs> and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Everybody say Isaiah. Isaiah. He's reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip... Go up and get in that dude's car. How many of y'all want to be evangelists? Nobody raises their hand. <laughs> How many of y'all want to be a millionaire? Everybody raises their hand. How many of you evangelists? No. Right? Uh, the Holy Spirit's like, I need you to go on this deserted road and get in this dude's car. That'll preach. So the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up, and when he got close to the chariot, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip said to the man, do you understand what you're reading? Oh, my goodness. And listen to this next sentence, everybody. At church, all of you who have the responsibility to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, including your workplace and your neighborhood, how can I unless someone guides me? Do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless somebody shows me? I don't know why God did this. If I was God, I would not do things the way God did it. That's supposed to be funny. How many of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about? God does this thing. He creates humanity. He redeems humanity. And then he makes humanity his partnership in the spread of the gospel. If I'm God, I'm like, I create humanity. They don't do right. We strike out the first set and go to create humanity 2.0, and we keep starting over until we get it right, right? That's not what he did. He redeemed humanity with his own son, 
And then the humanity that, that needed redeeming, he says, I want to partner with you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Again, I say, there's people that are seekers in your life. In your family, at your workplace, at school, teenagers, everywhere you go, there's people who are seeking, they're spiritual, they're trying to find answers, and they might even be digging into what the gospel says, but somebody still needs to explain some things to them. Somebody's still got to take the word and break it down and show it to them. That makes sense? They need a guide. Maybe don't look at yourself as like some kind of evangelistic, I'm Billy Graham. Maybe just say, I'm just somebody who can guide somebody out of the darkness into the light. How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture, which the the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, was this. This is Isaiah chapter 53. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will describe his generation for his life is taken from the earth? I'm going to do more on that in just a second. Verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, who is this guy? That is the question the world has. Who is Jesus? We live in the Bible Belt and we think everybody knows. And they can quote for you John 3.16, but nobody's ever told them what John 3.16 actually means. Because the question is not what does the Scripture say. The question is who is this man the Scripture portrays? And so Philip... Uh, he said, uh, uh, please tell me, the, the eunuch said, of whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about Isaiah? Or is he talking about me? Nah. Philip says, Philip, the Bible says, Philip opened his mouth, verse 35, and beginning from this scripture, preached, everybody say his name. Jesus. Preach Jesus to him. Now, pause. Let's go to Isaiah 53. What did Philip preach to him? What was the sermon that made, that made this eunuch want to throw on the brakes in the car, pull over on the side of the road, and get baptized immediately? What was the sermon that, why did he respond that way? Why did he get baptized? Let's read it. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says this. It says, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Keep on going, brother. For he grew up. Everybody say he. Notice that he is capitalized. This isn't the prophet. This isn't you. That's what the eunuch said. Is he talking about the prophet? Is he talking about me? No, he's talking about he. The great I am, right? He grew up before him, two people, he and him. He, Jesus, grew up before him, the Father. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of a parched ground. This is who Jesus is. Everybody wants, this world, is. they like the shiny things. 
They like the things that are they're shiny and sparkling. They all, they all run to the most shiny thing. That makes sense? Jesus wasn't the shiny thing. Matter of fact, the Bible says he has no stately former majesty. He's not the king you're looking for. He's the king you need. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That we should look up upon him. He doesn't have an appearance that we should be attracted to. There's nothing about this man uh, uh, physically and his features that makes me just drawn to him. Okay? Verse, uh, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was like one from whom people would hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him well. In other words, we didn't take this despised man. We, 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 we hid our face from him, and we didn't put him in his proper place. Surely, oh, y'all out there this morning? If he is talking about you, Mr. Eunuch, this is where you come into play. Your grief he bore. Your sorrow. He carried. Y'all out there? We esteemed ourselves versus we didn't esteem him. But we esteem ourselves him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, God must have done this to him. But, the next word, but, no. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being was put upon him. And by his scourging, by his stripes, I get to be healed. Imagine Philip sitting with this eunuch and he's saying, and the eunuch is like, he's about to, he's, he, he doesn't know it yet, but in, a, about, in about an hour's time, he's going to be getting wet. He's going to be getting inside the river and being baptized. And the question is why? Because he got a revelation of Jesus Christ. Y'all out there? Not because he wanted to join a church. That's one of the benefits. Not because he wanted to, uh, you know, have his name on a roll. Then one day when he dies, he can say he was a member of this in this church and he belonged to. No, the number one reason this man wanted to get into the water because his eyes were open to who Jesus Christ was. All of us, everybody say us. We all like sheep have gone astray. Raise your hand if you've gone astray. Everybody in the room, we've all gone astray. But isn't he a good shepherd? <laughs> See, he's not a good shepherd because he gives us everything we want. He's a good shepherd because we're prone to wander. Y'all are not listening to me this morning. We're, he's a good shepherd because we're prone to wander, and he's prone to come hunt us down. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us tries to do life our own way. You get to define the terms. You get to define the limits. You get to define how you live, how you don't live. You get to define what you do, what you don't do. You get to define what your relationship to God even might look like. Because he's in Jerusalem worshiping. 
You get to define what your relationship with God looks like. But that's not, no, no. There's no man who gives the definition except Jesus Christ alone. And the point isn't not to have the right definition. The point is to bow my knee to his definition of what, of what Christianity looks like. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us in this room. Right? This morning, all of our iniquity fell on the shoulders of that man. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he didn't do what all of us would do, which is open his mouth and try to get it to stop. But he took it. Right? He embraced it. He took it. He did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to its slaughter and a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he didn't open his mouth. Kept his mouth closed and just because he had a bigger goal. His goal wasn't to be right. His goal was to produce righteousness. To he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says this morning. You can fight a battle about who's right, or you can be a person who will close your mouth and make sure righteousness prevails in your situation. That's a little sidetrack. We'll come back around to this. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered? They considered him cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due. In other words, he deserved what he got. That was the mindset. Look at me. Look at me all across this room. Look at me. The idea was, the idea of Israel was they deserved to be cared for, free, whatever you want to say. And he was wrong, so he deserved the oppression. And the truth is, all of us, look at me, all of us deserve the punishment that he took in our stead. And that's one of the biggest hurdles to salvation that people will find is they don't think they deserve punishment from their sins. Therefore, they don't think they did anything wrong, right? And, and, and it's, it's lots of pointing fingers, right? That person's worse than me. If you answer to God whenever he says to you about some, something in your life that needs to be dealt with, is you say, well, I'm not as bad as those people. Join the uh, Pharisaic club that says the exact same thing. But you know, whenever you're really, you're, you're ready, your heart, sheesh. You know when your heart's ready for, let's say, baptism? is when you're nine years old and you say, I just want to be clean. I think Dawson ought to come up here and preach because that's the message we need to hear this morning. When you're nine years old and you go, I just want to be clean. That means, that, means, that means there's something in my life that I'm tired of the filth. I just want to feel clean again. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? How many of you remember when Jesus took his blood and made you clean? 
That's why I thought a lot of us have forgotten in the room. Come on, how many of y'all remember when Jesus took his blood and made you clean? And how you felt like a brand new man after that, a brand new person after that, alive in Christ, right? I am alive. I'm alive. And so, next verse, verse 9. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with the rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. This man was not a uh, this man was not a revolutionary by earthly standards, and there was no lies in his mouth. Everything he said was true. That's not like us. Amen. We'll say whatever we think we need to say to get us out of the situation. Y'all are quiet this morning, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If Jesus would willingly render himself as the guilt offering. (laughs) Y'all seeing this? Jesus Christ himself willingly rendering himself as the guilt offering. Because an offering had to be made. The, 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 The guilt had to be rolled off the people. And so Jesus says, there is not enough lambs on the earth, right? I will be the only spotless lamb. I will come. I will live a sinless life. And I will freely die so that everybody else can freely live. If he will render, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see what that offering will perpetually produce. An offspring of sons and daughters and brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ being the firstborn of many brethren, right? He will prolong his days. In other words, uh, the dead guy will live again. When his days would have been cut off, no, you get more days. He gets resurrection. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, did did he ever experience anguish in his soul? Go back to a garden when he cried and sweated tears, uh, sweated drops of blood because his heart was in anguish of the price he would have to pay to bring our freedom. He will see it, God, and be satisfied by his knowledge of the righteous one, my servant will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Verse 12, last verse. Therefore, I will allot him, him, Jesus, a portion with the great. He will divide the spoil, the booty, with the strong, because he poured out himself to death. Why do we get baptized? Because Jesus poured himself out to death. Baptism is is a simple, logical response when you've seen the man who's poured out his life. Y'all out there this morning? Super logical response. It literally is this simple. If that man will do all that for me, I'll do whatever he asks. When we find ourselves rebelling against God and what he wants for us, when we find ourselves rebelling against God and what his word says to do, when we are slow to forgive and quick to anger, 
when we're saying that we don't have to do what the word says. Like, you know, I can do, I can go after my own way. I can do my own thing. When we're saying that if the word says it, you know, if I like it, I'll do it, right? What all that means is that we haven't seen this man. Because when we see this man accurately, whatever he wants, he I will gladly do. As illustrated by our story, uh, he, he himself bore the sin to many. Go back to Acts chapter, uh, uh, I think it was 8. Chapter 8. Let's go with the verse we left off at. Okay? Look right here. It says this. Uh, verse 34, please. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom this prophet says he or someone else. Keep on going. Keep on going. Philip opened his mouth beginning from the scripture. He preached Jesus to him. I contend he didn't just preach Jesus to him. He preached the suffering servant Jesus to him according to Isaiah 53, the very passage of scripture he was reading. And at that revelation, this man, as they were going along the road, came to some water and the eunuch said, Look! Exclamation point! Water! This is in response to the revelation of the suffering servant. Water! What prevents me from being baptized? <laughs> Nobody talked this man into it. Nobody had to say, hey, next step in the process that we go through here at Church at the Armory and our discipleship program, the next step in the process is you need to go get baptized. No, when he saw Jesus, he would look for water. And when he saw water, he said, what can stop me? What can prevent me from getting out of this chariot and getting in that water? Let me ask you this question. What prevents you from doing every other commandment he's commanded you? I can tell you what it is. You've got your eyes on you. You've got your eyes on your world. You've got your eyes on your circumstance. You've got your eyes on everything else. And you've lost sight of the suffering servant. I ain't got to forgive my brother. I ain't got to forgive the person who sinned against me. I ain't got to. Uh, I ain't got to guard my heart towards the offenses of the world. I don't have to do all these things because I can do life my own way. But see, once you see Jesus, once you really understand this man, and what you you really get your eyes back on what he did for you, there's nothing he can ask that I won't do. Go to the other end of the world. Pick up my family and go to the other side of the world. Of course I will. Haven't you seen him? Why are you going to be a missionary? The number one answer is because Jesus is the need great. Of course the need's great. The number one answer is because if that man would do that for me, there is nothing I won't do for him. Why am I faithful in, I don't know, going to church and giving and and participating on stuff because if he'll do that for me I'll do I'll do anything he asks and if you can talk yourself out of a of, of a biblical uh, explanation of why you don't have to do these things you've got your sight on you and what you want to do and you've got your eyes off Jesus and what he's asked you to do and the suffering servant if he can bleed and die I can get up at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning and go to church it's quiet in here Jesus uh I've told this story a thousand times. There was these Moravian missionaries sold themselves 
You hear what I'm telling you? They took their money, poor, and sold themselves into slavery to get on a boat to go to an island where there were slave workers who did, a, I think it was like mining or something. They, they, they worked on a secluded island, and, and the only way that, that people could hear the gospel on this island was they would sell themselves into slavery, take the boat to never come back, and to be the light in the darkness by self-sacrifice. Everybody say self-sacrifice. We don't like self-sacrifice. The reason we don't like self-sacrifice is we've stopped looking at Jesus' sacrifice. When we look at Jesus' sacrifice, self-sacrifice becomes a little easier. Y'all out there this morning? And as the boat is, is leaving from the harbor... He, his family, the family members were yelling at them, you know, we love you, we're going to miss you, blah, 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 blah. And, they, and this is the single thing they yelled back to land. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. The revelation wasn't how much the people needed it. The revelation was the slain lamb. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. All you guys, right now it's all men. That's kind of cool, actually. Not to say if you're a lady in the room and you want to get baptized, we won't let you. But right now it's a bunch of dudes, okay? All you guys that are getting baptized, I want you to get up out of your seat. And I want you to go to the bathroom and put your baptism clothes on, unless you're already dressed uh, yeah, that's you, Chad. Get up, go. All right, all right. Somebody might go get Dawson. Go get Dawson and Tristan. Yeah. And so I'm gonna. I'm. We're gonna. I'm not done. We're just letting them get ready. So, what does baptism do for you? Look right here. What does baptism do for you, man? All kinds of great stuff, right? Public profession of faith. It's like a sign that you belong to this group of people, this church, this body, the the family of God, right? All kinds of great stuff, it benefits you. But why do it? It's, the answer is deeper than what the Bible you know, kind of tells us we need to get baptized. And that's kind of what they do in church. You know, they, you get baptized once you get saved. That's what you do. Now, the number one, why did this unit get baptized? Because he had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, all right, thank you. Good job, Lincoln. All right, so listen, look right here. So why Jesus Christ? Amen? This is my point today because lots of you ain't getting baptized this morning. By the way, if you want to get baptized after hearing this message, we got extra towels. We can make it happen, okay? But listen to me. Everybody look right here. Everybody look right here. Everybody look right here. The reason we get baptized is the same reason we do everything else for Jesus. It's very simple. If he can do that, I can do this. What is your this this morning? Imagine. There's actually a parable about this. Imagine me getting so upset with Missy that I refuse to forgive her yet while still looking Jesus in the eye and receiving and embracing his forgiveness. Looking the suffering servant in the eye and receiving and embracing his forgiveness, but yet withholding forgiveness to her. That makes sense? 
if he'll do it, if, if he did it for me, I can do it for her. Right? There's a whole parable about that. Anything you want to talk about, any instruction, any commandment in the word of God, if he did it, if he did that for me, I can do anything for him. I can love people that I wouldn't necessarily want to love. Y'all out there? Y'all out there? I can forgive people that I necessarily wouldn't forgive. I can, um, I can, I'm, there's this one weird verse in, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Uh, it says, uh, love your enemies. Raise your hand if you're real good at loving your enemies. Raise your hand if you're not real good at loving your enemies. Okay, you know what, the, you know what Jesus said? Uh, the Bible actually calls you an enemy of God. Hey, look at me. Before you were saved, look at look at back here. Before you were saved, the Bible actually calls you an enemy of God. And Romans chapter 8 says that we were still sinners. Christ loved us enough that he came and died for us. Y'all hearing me? So I can do anything. Look, if he did that for me, the only logical response is to do what he did for me. That makes sense? Uh, let's, let's, there's another one. Hannah, you should guess I am real loud. Uh, I'm not looking around the room. I've got my eyes closed. I'm not picking anybody out. Uh, look at me. Uh, I don't under, this is why I've said my entire life, I don't understand people who don't like to worship. Imagine looking at the suffering servant and with your hands in your pocket. Imagine being in heaven and there's a film being showed of the suffering servant, and you got your hands in your pocket, and you're slow to slouch, and you're just, okay, that's cool. I mean, that, you know, that's cool. Does that make, hey, raise your hand if that makes sense to you. It doesn't make sense to anybody. What makes sense to the revelation of the suffering servant is, I, uh, what they've been doing around the throne, slamming their face on the ground and yelling, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The spirit of the Lord filled the temple and his train filled the temple. First thing Isaiah said was, woe is me, I have a man of unclean lips. In other words, what I've seen makes me realize I need to be clean. Because the glory of God isn't legalism, but it absolutely produces uh, inside of you the desire to be made new and clean. Amen. And then the second thing he says, here I am. Whatever you need, same man who wrote this, this prophet, whatever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, here I am, send me. I'll do anything. I've seen something that will make me do anything you ask. Jesus, whatever you want, I'm your man. That's why we get baptized.